98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does it smell good? Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Lou. Hey boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. It's time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch. All of your top sports stories in one place. Here to deliver them, as always, is Aaron Maloney. Aaron. So Cardinals cornerback Antonio Hamilton was a notable non-participant during the team's joint practice with the Tennessee Titans yesterday. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury chalked it up to a doctor's appointment following Tuesday's practice, but did not divulge much more after the joint work in Tennessee. Uh, No, no, he's still being evaluated um, right now. And then when he was asked what is wrong with Hamilton... Um, we'll let you know week one when we have to. What is your reaction to that? Because that is so weird. Uh, yeah, first of all, that's a really long doctor's appointment if it's spanning this many days. But honestly, my reaction to him is, is when he says we'll let you know week one when we have to. Now, I don't know if, if he meant this, if I'm reading too much into it, but you don't have to let us know anything in week one if he's not hurt and missing week one. So, well, honestly, Wolf, that he didn't say much, but that quick little line right there is the most concerning for me because this is the position they cannot afford to lose anybody at. Yeah, I agree with you, Luke, right there. The first thing that I think of is Antonio Hamilton, and I hope everything is okay with Antonio Hamilton. I I think we all would agree on that right there. Hopefully, it's going to be okay for him, and it's nothing serious moving forward because it is so bizarre. It is so strange and odd, something that you just don't hear a head coach actually speak to. So I hope everything's okay with Antonio Hamilton. That's number one. But, man, this just creates more indecision. More indecision in the cornerback room. And that is the one room the Arizona Cardinals just, man, they cannot have problems in that room. And they've got nothing but, it seems, going forward. D-backs pitcher Madison Bumgarner will be skipped for one scheduled outing in a performance-based decision. Lavello said Bumgarner will spend the time getting some quality work done with pitching coach and that it was a decision made for the betterment of the team as opposed to one individual. What do you think about this? I mean, we did have a listener tweet us and say, did they skip Mad Bum because the rodeo has been in town? <laughs> I mean, has anybody checked on Mason Saunders? Uh, uh, this is when the listeners are at their best. I love it. <laughs> um, look, Wolf, you rattled off his last five starts. He's got a 7.53 ERA in those five starts. And he was pitching pretty well. He had a 3.7 ERA for the season prior to that through July 23rd. So maybe something's just not right. Maybe they just feel like, okay, look, we have a chance here. We're not. It's not like one game's going to cost us a playoff spot. Let's try and maybe get you meeting with Brent Strom for a little bit, tinker with some stuff, and get you right for the rest of the season and on into next year. Whatever it is, you know, Bumgarner's not as old as people think he is, but he's done enough in this league where I don't know how much you can really change. You know? Yeah, yeah. It really is so odd right now. You know, I honestly believe there's something going on mechanically. So Something going on mentally. Um, we've seen him actually 
flip sides of the rubber that he's throwing the ball from, from the right side to the left side. Um, he's done that before earlier in his career. Uh, he just seems to be really out of sorts at this point in time. And my question is, I wonder if Madison Bumgarner wants this. Did he request this or not? Does he think this is the best way forward? Because every player, I think, knows themselves best. And I could get behind this if, in fact, that's what he is asking. But, man, it doesn't sound like that's Madison Baumgartner. No way. That just doesn't sound like Mad Bum right there. And that's what concerns me. The Los Angeles Lakers finalized a trade to acquire Utah Jazz guard Patrick Beverly. (laughs) Can you name a worse player to go to the Lakers for the Phoenix Suns? I really think that's that's gotta it's it's perfect, isn't it? Like wouldn't you rather just have him on the Lakers? Wasn't he just on Utah for like a month in the middle of the offseason? He never even played a game with them. Uh, Wolf, I I don't it's other than like Marquise. Morris being on the Lakers, I cannot think of a better fit than Patrick Beverly on the Lakers. It just adds that much more juice to the Suns-Lakers games now. Oh my goodness. Uh, I despise this move by the Lakers because I think it's a good move. I think it is too, actually. I despise this move by the Lakers because it brings a guy into the division that likes to play on the edges of Dirtville, as I like to say. I don't think Chris Paul and Devin Booker need to be playing in Dirtville, but it's come to the division. There's no doubt about it. This is a good move by the Lakers. And finally, they got somebody that plays a little bit of defense other than LeBron. So Let's talk more about that as the show unfolds. November 22nd, that's uh, Lakers-Suns in Phoenix. That's the first meeting. You know, and Ron Wolfley is the Patrick Beverly of Arizona sports, according to Eric Ruby, <laughs> a.k.a. Oh, yeah, well, Jim. Where's Eric? we got to get him back in here. He probably thinks Wolf got yeah. traded to the Lakers today. And then we're going to end it on a fun one, guys. Okay. Arizona State University announced that its new multi-purpose facility that will temporarily host the NHL's Arizona Coyotes will be called Mullet Arena. (laughs) The name for the arena comes after the Mullet family, supporters of the school's hockey program and Sun Devil Athletics. And ASU actually credits the Mullet family as a large part of helping the hockey team reach Division I status in 2014. So, in honor of Mullet Arena... What is the worst hairstyle of all time? <laughs> Ooh. Worst hairstyle of all time. Okay, the bowl cut's not great. <laughs> I don't, I mean, the mullet and all, Wolf, you could probably speak to this a little bit better, but like all the offshoots of the mullet where it was like super big hair on top and yeah, I don't know, man. The mullet's got to be right there. No, I, know I can't yes. say that as a hockey player and fan, but I have yeah. to. I'm sorry. Have you, no, the, the bowl hair God, by far and away. It's not even close. Yeah. Just look up Mark Davis. Um, <laughs> no, it's yes. not even a bowl. I don't know what that is. It's like a cup. Just the bowl haircut. Look at the monks and friars from the Middle Ages, especially that friar cut where they shaved the top of their head, and then the rest of it was a bowl. <laughs> All right. So hold on. So you're saying you'd, you'd feel better true. if the monks and friars from back then had mullets instead? Oh. <laughs> Without a doubt, those bowl cuts, man, where, again, the top is shaved and the rest of it is is basically the bowl cut. Man, that is a weird look for a human being right there. That's not great. So, okay, so if the mullet is, what, business in the front, party in the back, what is the bowl cut? Just... 
business everywhere? Confusing no, I'm just, everywhere? Uh, I'm going to say fryer. The okay. fryer uh, cut. Doing the old school bowl cut. All right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, just announced comedian Tom Segura is heading to Celebrity Theater for a special Netflix taping of his new world tour. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at 10, but you can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. When we come back, the Cardinals are already very thin at quarterback. Are they actually getting thinner? What is up with Antonio Hamilton? We'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, if they just put out the... uh the NFL's top 100, they listed the last 20 names. They, they're going to put them in order, obviously, this weekend. And I'm just staring at it for like two minutes during the break. Like, who is Shaquille Leonard from the Colts? And why don't they have Darius Leonard on this list? And then I realized, <laughs> oh, yeah, he changed his name to Shaquille Leonard. Yeah. Um, no Cardinals in the top 20. So there okay. will be four on the list with uh, Hopkins coming in at, what, 37 uh, earlier this week. So there you go. Yes. Uh, we kind of got into this before, but... I'm going to play the Cliff Kingsbury audio again on Antonio Hamilton. And, you know, Wolf, you always talk about the art of speaking median. I'm not even sure if this is median. This is like, is there something beyond median? This is Cliff saying absolutely nothing. But in a way, it almost feels like he's saying something because he just doesn't answer the questions. Uh, they asked him if uh, Antonio Hamilton, this is on Tuesday. Okay, what, you know, where, where is he? <laughs> we hear about how good this guy is. Now he's moving up and now he's just not at practice. Uh, yeah, Dr. Sanforno. Okay, so. So then that's yesterday. Hey, uh, Cliff, Antonio's still not here. Are you concerned? Uh, no, no. He's still being evaluated um, right now. And then, okay, well, can you tell us what's wrong with him? Um, we'll let you know week one when we have to. All right. I almost feel like by him hmm. saying nothing in this case, Wolf, he is saying something. Because that when he says, we'll let you know week one when we have to. That doesn't fill me with a whole lot of uh, confidence he's playing week one against the Chiefs. Yeah, no, I, I'm absolutely with you on that. And once again, because of this, these they, these are extreme circumstances, Luke. And because of that, you know, the, I, I stop and I think of Antonio. And I, I'm hoping that this guy is is okay. It, it sounds so bizarre, so strange, so odd that um, I hope everything's okay mentally, physically, spiritually. I hope everything is okay with Antonio Hamilton. I've got a ton of respect for him and the road that he's been on, and he has certainly taken the road less traveled well, to where he is right we, now. We just had him on this show last Friday, remember? Yes. And he he went. Yes. through the entire road like he, he yes. yeah he's very aware of, of what it's taken to get to this point so my heart goes out to him and I hope he's okay and everything's fine um, but my second thought is could there be a worse position for this to happen no, no, there really couldn't. You know, set set quarterback aside for a second. Any team loses their starting quarterback, yeah, they're probably right. in trouble. Good but yeah, point. I mean, any of these other positions, and, and Hamilton in particular, you know, Byron Murphy, you got to have him. He's going to be your headliner at that position. But, I mean, this is just last week we were also hearing from Cliff saying that Antonio Hamilton has passed Marco Wilson. And I, I don't know how much of that was him kind of calling out Marco Wilson for a second time, but you, you hit the nail on the head earlier. Byron 
Murphy can play out of his mind. Marco Wilson could take a step, and Antonio Hamilton could take a step as well. You're still thin at that position. Yes. But now, through camp, we've heard Marco Wilson maybe isn't where they want him to be right now, and Antonio Hamilton's not even on the field. And I'll just keep saying it because it's the biggest thing hanging over all this. You're, you're facing Patrick Mahomes in week one. You're facing Derek Carr and, and Devontae Adams in week two. You're facing the Rams in week three. You cannot afford to be missing corners when you were already thin at corner. Yeah, and that's why, again, the next question becomes, who needs to step up? Who needs to step up for the Arizona Cardinals? And, you know, it's Marco Wilson. Marco Wilson has got to step up. He's got to be what he was through the first 10, 11 weeks of last season. He has to be that. I mean, if you've got Byron Murphy, who I think is is developing still, and he's going to be better this year, and hopefully he'll continue and finish strong, like so many guys last year did not finish strong. And it wasn't just on the defensive side of the ball. It was also on the offensive side of the ball. It was the entire team. But Marco Wilson has got to step up. If you tell me that Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson, they play like they did through the first 12 weeks of the season last year, and then Antonio Hamilton eventually gets back, I'll feel pretty good about the cornerback room because of what else is going to happen. Steve Keim, this is just me. Nobody, nobody's told me this, but Steve Keim, I feel, based on all this information, ancillary though it may be and circumstantial, all this information about the cornerback room, Steve Keim is going to trade for a corner, right? He's going to bring a corner in at some point in time. I believe that's coming. It, 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 it almost makes so much sense that every second it doesn't happen. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. This makes so much sense. Why isn't it happening? But, Wolf, I could sit here and I could read you the list of free agent corners that are out there. But the thing is, we've been doing that for two months. And there's some some recognizable names, but those guys haven't signed anywhere. So, you know, either there's a reason they haven't signed yet or the Cardinals maybe just aren't interested in them. You look at the guys that were cut earlier this week as teams got down to 80 players. You know, I went through the whole list. I didn't see any corners that their names just jumped out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, this guy, I've seen him play. He's good. You start to look at just kind of wandering around the Internet, and you see all those lists of like, okay, here's the the 10 biggest names that got cut that might end up anywhere. There's never a corner on those lists. So when you combine all that with the fact that you do have a trade chip perhaps in Andy Isabella or one of these running backs or you've got all these compensatory picks, maybe you can put something together to get a corner off a team. He's not going to be a number one, but a guy that can step in and maybe start for you. But the problem is there's just there's not a lot of teams that are looking around right now being like, you know, we have too many of good corners. Let's get rid of one. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that's that's the problem right there. Listen, this is what Steve Kime does best. He makes traits. Mm-hmm. But other than quarterback, that position is the most difficult to acquire a quality talent at, Ron Wolfley reporting. The the cornerback room is a dicey proposition, and you said this earlier, you know, you just don't let good corners walk out of your organization unless the compensation is excessive. Yeah. And that's the problem right now for Steve Kime. What I think they're gonna do, Luke, I think they're gonna go ahead and wait for the waiver wire to produce some names. And why not? Because you got two weeks between that last preseason game and the start of the season. So you go ahead and you just kind of wait and see who pops up. 
who's actually let go. And then if you're not happy with it, now you've got to go ahead and you've got to pull a trigger, so to speak. You've got to make a deal on somebody out there. And I don't think there's any doubt that that is going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I'm to the point where I would almost like to. I'd almost I'll like them to trade. I'll be I would too, because you're, you're in win now mode. So there's not even any reason to be like, well, you know, we're going to mortgage the future. Like, first of all, you're not mortgaging the future. You're probably trading another fifth round pick or, you know, a fifth round pick in Andy Isabella, or maybe it's a third round pick, depending on how good the guy is. This is why, Wolf, all those mock drafts, and I, I don't want to sit here and do revisionist history. I liked the Hollywood Brown trade, and I still do. So I'm not saying they shouldn't have made that trade. But this is why every single mock draft seemingly had the Cardinals taking a corner if they were going to keep that pick. And this is why, this is not a knock on Trey McBride, it's why a lot of people, when they took Trey McBride with the 55th pick, were like, wait, taking a tight end when you don't have a corner? But, you know, also 55 picks in, you might not be getting a corner that's going to start for you in week one anyway. So this is this is not like a new need, but obviously if Antonio Hamilton is going to miss any time, even if it's one game, it just became that much more of an urgent need. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we're going to have to see how all of it shakes out. But I think that would be the prudent way to do it, right? You kind of wait. You, you see who gets cut. Who's part of that last cut? And are there any names that you might look at? Any guys that you say, oh, my goodness, you know, we, we liked him. We had a pretty good grade on him. And, you know, okay, let's find out. Do our due diligence. Why is he out there? Why did he get cut? Is he going to clear waivers? You know, I I think there's there's a lot that is obviously going to go into this but um, the good news is the Arizona Cardinals they do have 17 million dollars under the cap they do have and I don't believe it's a complete 17 million I think maybe it's more around 10 or 12 million somewhere in that vicinity right there and there's a lot of reasons why that is but I think they might have the change to actually go out and make a deal with a corner who's pretty good even if they go ahead and use the mechanism of a trade to bring him in they may be able to sign him to some type of extension going forward yeah and to your point on the cuts, you know, this this week it was to get down to 80 man rosters. Next week, 864 players are getting cut yep. on Tuesday. So yep. I'm assuming Steve Kime has his eye on a couple corners around the league waiting to see if they get cut. Uh, but again, anybody that's getting cut next week doesn't mean you can't find somebody good, but typically teams aren't cutting good young quarterbacks. Although, right. honestly, I feel like the Cardinals are, are sort of owed a, a Russell Douglas because they let one go last year and I would just take him back and be happy. <laughs> so maybe, so. maybe Green Bay will just uh, go ahead and ship him out. Alright, uh, the well, go ahead and text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, you know our questions with the Cardinals. When we come back, though, what positions do you feel the best about on this team heading into the final preseason game? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And now, time for the Wolf and Luke Show with 98.7 FM's embodiment of newest Laker Patrick Beverly, Ron Wolfley. That's the latest from the Arizona Sports Desk. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. <laughs> 
I love it. The Wolf and Luke show with the NBA's embodiment of Patrick Beverly. Is that what you said, Eric? <laughs> 98.7FM's embodiment of newest Laker Patrick Beverly. Wolf is, uh, he's not here Wait to defend himself, but he is, his voice Wait is here. Wait a minute, Jam. What are you talking about? What I are you going to do? Push not... me from behind, Wolf? Hey, <laughs> hey, buddy, I did not live on the fringes of Dirtville. Okay? <laughs> I did not. Pat Bev, that guy lives in the shadows in the shade of the fringe of Dirtville. I, I did not. Actually, drove through Dirtville on the way to San Diego last week, so it's a, it's a real place. It's and it's not glorious at all. Just um, never forget it, though. No, I am not going to let this just slide <laughs> with Jem. I'm not going to let this just slide, Jem. Everybody that I got into it with, he deserved it. All right, Patrick he Beverly started. would say the same thing, Wolf. If no you way, no, Pat Bev. No, you started, Pat. You do. I never started it. You finished it. Yes, finish him. We got to get uh, Pat Bev on the show. Except I don't. <laughs> I think every Suns fan in the Valley would instantly turn their radio off and then throw it out the window. Indeed. Uh, all right, Wolf. We were talking about the position that we are all the most concerned about with the Cardinals. It's not the only one that uh, we have questions about, but corner is certainly the headliner at this point. If it wasn't already for you, if you were more of a, hey, I'm worried about the pass rush kind of person, well, now you can be more worried about corner because we don't even know if you have Antonio Hamilton for week one. But let's flip it here. When you look at this team going into the season now, the first game is just over two weeks away. In fact, Wolf, the first NFL game is two weeks from today. Bills, Rams, Thursday night football starting off the season. So there we go. get your fantasy football drafts done uh, accordingly. Yeah. The uh, I know that cheer from you was for fantasy football, not real football. No, it's, it's for football. Oh, okay. Um, what positions, when you look around this Cardinals team, are you the most confident in going into the start of the season? I'm trying to find yeah. any that aren't on offense, and I guess my initial answer would be safety. <laughs> See, that isn't right there. It isn't, but it's not the safety room. It's the DB room. It's it's the secondary. Yeah. They all get in a room together, and well, that includes safeties and, of course, corners. Then, then that's not the position I'm the most confident confident in, even okay. with Jalen Thompson. It's amazing because when when I looked at this and saw the show sheet, of course, I thought, man, all the position rooms that I feel really good about, they're all on offense, uh-huh. as you just said right there. I mean, how about the quarterback room? How do you feel about that room right now? I feel good about the quarterback room. It's interesting you started there because I was going to throw that at you as a curveball since we never really talk about it in, yeah. in this context. But right. yeah, I mean, I feel better about the Cardinals quarterback room than about, you know, at least 20 teams in the league and honestly probably even a few more. And that, of That's course, right. is why. <laughs> That's, I mean, honestly, you're going to keep three quarterbacks and, and based on how Trace McSorley has performed so far, yeah, I can totally see why you're going to keep three. And I never am one of these guys that wanted you to keep three quarterbacks in the National Football League, ever. What do you say about the quarterback position? It's the only true football player on the field, or is that the opposite? No, it's, no. it's actually they're not football oh, players. Okay. They're quarterbacks. Oh. They're a special breed, man, all into themselves. They don't engage in the essence of putting the mouth guard in and trying to drive somebody into the ground or trying to actually line up even a cornerback who's not trying to drive somebody into the ground. He's trying to actually physically 
stone that wide receiver and keep him from catching the ball. I mean, it's it's such a physical act, athletic act to play corner in the NFL. So, yeah, you know, it's a, quarterbacks are just a different breed right there. And for me, the quarterback room is not a concern for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, that's fair. And in fact, let's just go through the offense. Uh, let's go. And I just want to get your thoughts on this one. I wouldn't say I feel great about it right now, but the offensive line room, because there are people now that are kind of taking what Cliff said the other day as a sign Justin Pugh might not be ready for week one either. I'm not sure I'm there yet, but either way, Wolf, there are injuries on the offensive line. Okay, I'm not there with Justin Pugh at all. Uh, I, if, you're, if you tell me he's got a pinch nerve... He's going to be absolutely fine by week one. Honestly, the reason I'm optimistic about it is because of what you and Max Starks, who has played with a pinched nerve as an offensive lineman, both said yesterday. So that's why I'm, I'm not I'm not freaking out about Justin Pugh the way I am about Antonio Hamilton. But either way, Hudson's been banged up. Uh, no. Pugh is banged up. Will Hernandez sounds like he's good, but he was banged up a little bit. I don't feel like I feel decent about the offensive line when they're all healthy. I really I, I don't have a whole lot of concerns when they're healthy. But just when is your entire offensive line ever healthy if it's not healthy going into week one? Yeah, when we're, if we're talking about the guards and the tackles, I feel absolutely fantastic about the Arizona Cardinals. I, I do. I especially with the acquisition of Cody Ford right now as a depth player, I feel really, really good about their offensive line. Except when you talk about the center, <laughs> when you talk about Rodney Hudson, and uh, okay, it was great to see him out there. He was in full gear, man. He was out there in full gear, and he got some work actually done. He just didn't line up and play any football against somebody else that was trying to better him. Mm. Um, so he was going through a lot of the drills and everything else. It's just very encouraging to see Rodney Hudson in full gear. Um, hopefully he's going to take that next step forward, very much like we saw Max Williams kind of ease his way. And just he was dressed in full gear. He didn't work against anybody, but he started off by being dressed in full gear, and then they eased him into it. Hopefully that's the plan with Rodney Hudson going forward. But the offensive line, I'm really not worried about. The next room is the wide receiver room. And I think the wide receiver room is pretty packed. And I like the wide receiver room. Yeah. A lot. There's a lot to like in the wide receiver room. Um, and you're right, because it's packed. I mean, there, there's there's a lot to watch for on Saturday with Andy Isabella and, and Greg Dortch in particular. But it's not it's not a like, are we going to be able to survive week one against the Chiefs sort of thing. It's, okay, who's going to be out there? Or who's going to make this team? So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the receiver room. Receiver and running back feel pretty good about both those tight ends as well. But um, I do want to ask you this, because we almost got into it earlier. The running back room specifically... You know you have James Conner. You've got those other four guys behind him, probably only keeping three of them. How much of what happens on Saturday night where fans are watching the game, you're watching the Titans, uh, how much of that do you think Wolf is going to determine in the running back room who makes this team? Can I see how many reps Daryl Williams gets? Okay. <laughs> can, I, you know, can I see that to begin with? Just really notice who gets a lot of playing time. What if he doesn't in get any? Game? 
Well, yeah, okay. then Daryl Williams is here. Okay, so right? let, let's yeah, yes. let's let's play out that scenario. Let's say Daryl Williams doesn't get any, and it's just Eno Ingram, and I guess Ward's hurt. I don't know. Maybe he's able to go, but but how much of it for Eno and Ingram? How much of it is just how they play against Tennessee? Yeah, no, I, you know, honestly, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say about it. I know that they really like Eno Benjamin as well. I still wonder if it's Jonathan Ward and Keontae Ingram that are really going to battle that out for that fourth spot if in fact they are going to keep four as I'm assuming they will so um, I I don't know what to say about it but I will tell you this Luke once again look how many reps Eno Benjamin Keontae Ingram and Jonathan Ward get on Saturday night so that's going to be very telling and look how many reps they get and how well they do when they're given those reps. Yeah, because when you first said that, you're setting aside how well they do. Obviously, how well they do is going to factor into it, but when you're just looking at the reps on Saturday night, so for people that are listening right now, when they're listening to the game or watching the game, what do you mean by that? Like, if, if Eno's yeah. only getting four carries, are you seeing that as a good sign for him because they don't need to see any more, or is it because maybe somebody's passed him up? Yeah, I, honestly, there is no absolute, but I will tell you how many, okay, four carries, how many reps how many reps did he actually how many snaps did he actually get yeah okay Um, that's what really matters to me there are obviously the more reps a guy gets in my opinion the more they're giving him the opportunity to show why they shouldn't cut him does that make sense yeah and when they get him too Right, I mean, if you're getting your reps at the end of the fourth quarter of a blowout preseason game, I, I mean, there's still value. This is your last chance, but uh, yes, and you, many times a team, to your point, Luke, will show a guy, give him the opportunity to show another team that is out there. Hey, maybe we do want to take a look at this guy if he gets caught. Uh, congratulations to Michael Fabian from Phoenix. He was our first winner for those brand new Phoenix Suns Nike Classic Edition jerseys. If you haven't seen those, you got to check them out. They, they I mean, they're celebrating the 30th anniversary of the 92-93 team, and you can see why if you take a look at them. We still have more of those jerseys to give away, so text jersey to 620-620 for your chance to win. Again, that's jersey to 620-620. When we come back, Patrick Beverly is headed to the Lakers. So what does that mean for the Suns? It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Air Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. A lot of basketball news today, Wolf. Mentioned it earlier, Chet Holmgren, done for the year. The number two overall pick by Oklahoma City with the Liz Frank injury uh, that he suffered in a pro-am game, I think trying to guard LeBron. So that's uh, tough news for him, for sure. Liz Frank. It does make it sound a lot classier when you say it. Yeah, that's true. We should start. Okay. Liz Frank. Liz Frank. All right. Doesn't, yeah, doesn't make it any better for, Chet, for them, though. though but yeah. Seriously, is for Holmgren. I hate that. I hate to see a young guy like that um, get his career derailed before it even starts. Uh, so you have that going on. You have Patrick Beverly getting dealt from Utah. And you might be thinking, well, I don't remember him playing for Utah. That's because he never did. Uh, he just got dealt there and then got dealt right over to the Lakers, which Wolf puts him on the same team as Russell Westbrook, who a few months ago said this about him. Yeah, Beverly, you know, man, like he played defense. 
All right, so that's his new teammate, and then this is Patrick Beverly responding to Westbrook back in March on the Old Man in the Three podcast. You, you know, people looked at me differently. People around the NBA, yeah. coaches, players, like after that, people were just taking the ball, just going at me. I'm like, what the? All because of what one person said. And that's how, and that's how the media is. Like, if one person says one thing, that's how they take. It. They take it just for that. Like he, P really looked at it like people like, yeah, maybe this don't play defense. The only thing he does is run around. So obviously, you know, have one bad game. Oh, Russ was right, and he, I knew this thing he did was run around and stuff like that. So that'll be fun watching those two try to play together. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Um, I don't think it's at its end right now. I'm just saying, I don't know if that is going to be something that's going to shake out in the end. I, I I really hated this move because I thought this was a good move yeah. by the Lakers, and I know you feel the same way about this. They needed um, somebody to play defense. Yeah, you know, honestly, why is this a good move for the Lakers? Um. Pat Bev, what is he known for, Luke? What would you say he's well, known he's for? He's known here for shoving Chris Paul in the back, but in general, <laughs> just for playing right on the edge and then, honestly, quite a bit past the edge. Yes, he's he's known for his defense and the intensity that he brings to the floor, and that is exactly what the Lakers needed last year. The exact season. opposite of the Lakers last year. That's what you just yes. described. Defense yes. and intensity on the floor every night was not the Lakers in no, 21-22. Their defense is and overall intensity sucked buttermilk. And now all of a sudden you're bringing Pat Bev in. That's why it's a great move by the Lakers. It is funny, though, that the two teams that led the league seemingly in just drama without really going anywhere last year were the Lakers and the Nets. And some of that is just because the Lakers get talked about no matter what, and they had higher expectations than they certainly, as it turns out, deserved. And the Nets were just <laughs> just a soap opera. It's going to be that way again, Wolf. Like the Lakers probably got a little bit better adding Westbrook or adding Patrick Beverly yesterday, but uh, there's still going to be just a, a ton of controversy around that team, and they don't look like title contenders. No, they don't. But, you know, the, the other thing I would say as well, though, for the Lakers, like the rest of the league, Luke, the Lakers, they need players that can shoot the three. Yeah. And although Pat Bev doesn't get credited for being a solid three ball guy, he really is. He's been solid. Yeah. He can shoot it, man. Throughout his career in the regular season, he's 38% from beyond the arc, Luke. Does that surprise you to hear that? Uh, well, because you don't think of him, or at least I don't think of him as a as even a scorer, let alone a three-point shooter. Like He's not going to come in and suddenly fix all the Lakers' three-point issues, No, but, he, but he's going to help. And you're right. Usually you just think, okay, defensive player that'll get under the other team's skin, but they need threes, too. They, they need a lot, quite honestly, which is crazy, considering they do have LeBron and Anthony Davis on that roster. Yeah, no, I, honestly, I, I was really upset when I saw this, too, just because now all of a sudden you're going to have Pat Bev in the Pacific Division. Yeah. <laughs> that that kind of bothered me as well, uh, playing for the Lakers, and we all know the Lakers and what happens at the Footprint Center when the Lakers are in town. And it's just, honestly, Pat Bev is a troublemaker. That's what he is. And and I don't say that um, attacking him because, you know, I listen, there's a lot of guys that would have looked at me and said I was a troublemaker.
troublemaker out on the field. When I wasn't a troublemaker, I just, hey, just because I'm going to waylay you doesn't mean that, you know, I'm a troublemaker or I'm cheap-shotting you. Hey, listen, if you're not looking at me, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's not my job for you to be looking at me. I can't make you look at me. I can wipe your face off, but I can't make you see me. And, you know, I mean, that's not my that's not my bad. That's your bad. And I think Pat Bev plays with a lot of that right up against the edge. And we've all seen it and we all know it. It's his reputation and it always is going to be his reputation. You don't, they're, they're going to be here uh, November 22nd the Lakers. That's the first Suns Lakers meeting and it'll be at Footprint Center. You don't typically think, or at least I don't in the NBA, I, I think if, in terms of conferences, Wolf, I don't typically think in terms of divisions, uh, but that Pacific Division, like you mentioned, the Suns are actually, according to Vegas, picked to finish third, and the Lakers are fourth, <laughs> just because everybody's high on the Clippers, and obviously Golden State just won the title. Now, if you think back to the way last season ended, you might think, oh yeah, that uh, that Suns-Mavs Game 7, I just I, I didn't know how to like really process that, and I still haven't. You're not alone. This is Charles Barkley on with Bickley and Murata this morning. He said, I, I was shell-shocked watching that. You know, I'm not normally shell-shocked in a game, watching a game, uh-huh. but Game 7 was the most crazy thing I've probably ever seen from an NBA team at home in a Game 7. Like, I know teams have lost Game 7s at home, but the way, that game was over at the end of the half. Uh, you know, we were sitting in the studio, and Shaq and Kenny and Ernie looked at me like, what's going on? I'm like, dude, I'm in total shock right now. I have zero idea what happened. I've never seen, seen that situation before. Uh, but you see all the stuff that came out later. So it must have had some friction going on, and it just balled to a head. That's the only thing I could think of, to be honest with you. Man, that is it right there. I mean, even Chalk is at a loss for what it was. And you would think that he'd hear some type of information, mm-hmm. you know, and yet... Um, we all know it had to be something that was foundational. It had to be something that was so fundamentally accepted in the Suns' culture that suddenly shattered and broke into a million pieces to impact them emotionally the way that it did. I, I'm, well, it's still, yeah, it is. It is shocking. Well, that's it, what it is. Yeah, and, and still. it's one of those things where sometimes you think, okay, well, it, it feels shocking because it was our favorite team. Okay, yeah. I understand Barkley has ties to the Suns, but that's a national broadcaster being like, no, it was shocking. And the, the reason that this still matters, Wolf, obviously, you know, if you're, if you're driving around, you're like, okay, well, it's time for us to all move on. Uh, yeah, to a certain extent, but also you're basically bringing the same team back. So that foundation that, that seemed rock yeah. solid for really two years, if there was a crack in the foundation at the end of last season, they got to get that fixed. Otherwise, it's going to show up again this year because it, because it was so extreme from right. everything's great to these guys don't look like they've ever met each other before and or have played basketball. In Game 7, they didn't even look like they had p- picked up a basketball before that game. So strange for a 64-win team. Uh, all right, that will do it for us there. When we come back, what is the next step for Kyler Murray? How about the Michael Jordan effect? We'll discuss that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.